All right, glad you're with us. All right, before we get to, wow, great job numbers, the Democrat impeachment meltdown, we had a Pensacola attack where literally uh, we had people killed at this airbase in Pensacola. The president is now with a cabinet, and let's go right to his remarks. Just recently, just this morning in Pensacola, Florida, the king said that the Saudi people are greatly angered by the barbaric actions of the shooter and that this person in no way, shape or form represents the feelings of the Saudi people who love the American people so much. So uh, that was just given to me by the king of Saudi Arabia. And I can tell you it's a uh, horrible thing that took place. And we're getting to the bottom of it. Uh, all of the investigators are there now and they're studying it very closely and uh, terrible thing. And our condolences go to the families and uh, to everybody involved, including the wounded. We have some badly wounded people also, and we have to extend our condolences to them and we'll be working with them all very closely. So I just wanted to let you know that was from King Solomon. And today we're here to talk to some of the very hardworking citizens who are benefiting from our historic record-setting campaign to eliminate job-killing regulations. I will tell you the market is up 325 points today on great job numbers. The numbers have been phenomenal, actually. Some people said uh, so spot on, so, so good that they've actually never seen anything like it. It's a long way from when people were rooting for a recession because they thought they could maybe win an election. But we don't root for a recession. We root for success, and we're having tremendous success. I want to thank Vice President Mike Pence, who's here, right here. Mike, thank you. As well as Secretary Jean Scalia, Secretary Elaine Chow, Acting OMB Director Russ Vogt, and Acting Administrator Chris Pelkington. Thank you all very much for being here. Appreciate it. Appreciate it very much. It's been uh, an incredible period of time economically for our country, probably the best ever. Uh, we have the best uh, unemployment numbers in over 54 years. We have uh, the best numbers for African-American. This came out today again, African-American, Hispanic, Asian-American, uh, the best numbers we've ever had. Numbers for women are at a record number. We think that it will probably, if it keeps going like this very shortly, be totally historic. Uh, but they're at numbers that nobody ever believed possible. Nobody would have believed it. Frankly, uh, in the campaign, I would have never said it, but I felt we were going to do very well. That's despite the fact that we're paying interest to people that have their money in the bank and other countries are not, so they have a great competitive advantage. And yet we're by far, far and away, the most successful economy anywhere in the world. We're doing better than any other economy in the world. And, uh, you know, we've created many trillions of dollars of wealth since the election. Other countries have lost many trillions of dollars. We're by far the largest economy in the world. And that was going to change. For many years, they were saying that was going to change. We were going to go to number two uh, during this presidency. That was years ago. And uh, I guess that uh, the wrong president got elected from the standpoint that uh, there are a lot of people very unhappy about it. So they wish, they certainly think it was the wrong president. They would have rather had somebody else because they're not number one, we're number one, and we're, we're so far ahead 
that uh, people can't even believe it. So we've had tremendous success. We've had it together. This has been a great group. The cabinet members and the people in the administration have done a really good job. It was just reported that we added another 266,000 jobs in November. And we've also had very favorable uh, numbers outside of the 266th, including some of the past numbers have been corrected in a very positive way also. So we have 266,000 jobs plus uh, we've created 7 million jobs since my election. Unemployment is at the lowest rate, as I told you, in uh, many years. And in many ways, I think we can probably very soon say historically, a record 158 million Americans are now working. That's the largest number in the history of our country. We've never had 158 million people working. And we should be breaking the 160 million magic mark fairly soon. Uh, the stock market today, as you know, it's up 325. We've hit another record high. I believe that's 128 times, something like that. Uh, that we've <coughs> broken the record, the all-time record for stock market highs. And think of that, about 128 times. And we've been here for less than three years. So it's, uh, and that I can tell you is a record. 2.5 million Americans have been lifted out of poverty. African-American, Hispanic-American, Asian-American poverties, poverty levels in the positive sense have hit record lows. That's something that nobody thought was going to be possible in a short period of time either. So they've all hit record lows. Our regulatory reform efforts are delivering prosperity to forgotten men, women, and children of America. We are seeing a middle-class boom led by blue-collar jobs, and that's one of the things that's so great. The blue-collar workers, great workers of our country, they're really benefiting tremendously from what we've done with the tax cuts and all of the other things that we've done. And, and very big, I think, is the regulation cuts, because even before we were able to get the tax cuts so successfully from Congress, we started cutting regulations immediately, and that had a big impact. And that's why we went up so much between the election victory. So you'd say really from November 9th, the day after the election, up until January 20th, the inauguration, the stock markets and jobs went, literally went through the roof. And if the election were lost, it would have gone right through the floor. It would have been a disaster. The soaring stock market is boosting pensions, 401ks and college savings accounts at record levels. We've added $10 trillion in value to the economy, helping the small businesses that create two out of three new jobs. Nearly every single state has seen record numbers. Almost every state, I can tell you, every state I've been to in the last three months is having the best year they've ever had. And that's because of the federal policy. And uh, they're very thankful. The governors are very thankful. Uh, the senators are very thankful. They're all very thankful. So things have happened that nobody thought would be possible. But literally every state I go to is setting a record for their state, individual states. And one of the states had just reported, and it's because of our actions, not because of their actions. This I can tell you, because their actions are very negative. Uh, California is doing much better than anyone anticipated because of what we've done at the federal level. So I'm very happy about that. Next year, we will continue our bold deregulatory campaign. We'll remove costly burdens to make cars safer and more affordable. Uh, I don't know if you know what's going on. We're in a dispute with California. California 
in order to save a tiny amount of fuel, of which we have plenty. We have numbers that nobody ever would have believed possible. We're the largest energy producer now in the world, and we're an exporter of energy for the first time in our history, really. Uh, but uh, we can make cars much less expensive, uh, much better, much stronger, and about the same from an environmental standpoint, very close. But then when you realize that many old cars will be taken off the road because they don't want to get rid of them because they don't want to buy the new cars because, frankly, they don't work very well. That little, like this, you take that, sometimes it's about that much gasoline. It's a difference between $3,500, extra computers put on the engines and all of the other things that you have to do. But the cars are much safer. Our cars are much safer. They're much cheaper. They're much better. And the reason they're safer is because they can be heavier. Because uh, right now the cars are made out of paper mache. And ours are actually, we allow steel content. <laughs> and so uh, people are getting very excited about it. We have some good support with the auto companies. The only ones that don't support are the car companies that want to be politically correct. Uh, but we'll end up in some litigation with California. But just remember, our cars are safer. And, and, and they are much safer, by the way. And they're better. They operate better. And in every way, we think it's uh, going to be terrific. We have a lot of support from the car industry. And you're talking about a saving of $3,500 on average per car. That's a tremendous saving. And one of the other things from an environmental standpoint, many of the old gas guzzlers are that are spewing out bad things are going to be coming off the road. Cars that are 10 years old and older, people will be going to the new cars because the pricing is better. And the net result of uh, what happens environmentally is a very positive result because a lot of old cars are going to come off the road. They won't come off the road with the California standard, but they'll come off the road with our standard. So you have a better car for less money and it'll be safer. We'll end the regulatory assault on franchise small businesses, which a lot of the people around the table want to do because they're very, very strongly affected. We'll provide greater financial freedom and flexibility for U.S. truckers. Uh, the trucking industry has gotten right away out of control. You might want to say a few words about that in a minute, but it's gotten out of control. And we're doing other things. The light bulb, uh, they got rid of the uh, light bulb that people got used to. The new bulb is many times more expensive. And I hate to say it, it doesn't make you look as good. Of course, being a vain person, that's very important to me. Uh, it's like, uh, it gives you an orange look. I don't want an orange look. Uh, has, has anyone noticed that? So we'll have to change those bulbs at at least a couple of rooms where I am in the White House. But we're going back to the uh, to double standard. We have a, a standard of the new bulbs, and we have, we have the old bulbs. And they're already making the old bulbs. Many people were complaining that uh, the new bulbs were much, much more expensive, many times in some cases more expensive. And uh, the other thing, they're considered a hazardous waste, that because it's a, largely a gas technology, when the bulb is disposed of, you're supposed to bring it to a hazardous waste site. I said, how many people do that? No, nobody does it. And, you know, that's a bad thing. So uh, you probably heard about it. You probably read about it. And uh, you'll be able to buy light bulbs that actually uh, are better lighting 
in the opinion of many, and I tell you, in my opinion, and for a lot less money. And so we're doing that. But you'll also be able, if you want, you can buy the other bulbs also. And I'll tell you, even the bulb companies are very happy about that. But together, we're defending the American workers. We're using common sense. We have a situation where we're looking very strongly at sinks and showers and other elements of bathrooms where uh, you turn the faucet on in areas where there's tremendous amounts of water, where the water rushes out to sea because you could never handle it. And you don't get any water. You turn on the faucet, you don't get any water. They take a shower and water comes dripping out. It's dripping out, very quietly dripping out. People are flushing toilets 10 times, 15 times, as opposed to once. They end up using more water very strongly at my suggestion. Uh, you go into a new building or a new house or a new home and they have standards on where you don't get water. You can't, you can't wash your hands practically. There's so little water comes out of the faucet. And the end result is you leave the faucet on and it takes you much longer to wash your hands. You end up using the same amount of water. So we're looking at uh, very seriously at opening up the standard. And uh, there may be some areas where we'll go the other route, desert areas. But for the most part, you have many states where they have so much water that it comes down. It's called rain. <laughs> that they don't know they don't know what to do with it. So we're going to be opening up that, I, I believe. And we're looking at uh, changing the standards very soon. And that's a little bit like the light bulb, where you get a bulb that's better for much less money. We go back, but you have the other alternative. And you'll keep the other alternative with sinks and showers, et cetera, too. But that's been a big problem. So a lot, a lot of the things we do are based on common sense. Somebody said, is that a conservative? Is it a liberal thing? Is it what is it? What are we doing? I said, it's a common sense thing in so many, so many of the things that we do. It's based on common sense, like the car. Uh, the car will end up with that net tremendous saving environmentally when you think of all the cars, the old cars that will come off the road. All right. Amazing well, numbers of the president. We'll get to all of it. Uh, I just thought it was worth hearing it from him. Uh all of those wishing for a recession. Now even fake news CNN and CNBC are all admitting, uh-oh, he's really successful. This is not going to be good for us. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. CNN, MSN, what do they cover? The number 16th, 16th is positive economic news. All the rest of them are negative. So you know what's going on here, Joe. People don't want to say good things. And this is the best number I've ever seen in my life. Is it going to, is it, well, I said this earlier, I, and, and is it, can it last forever, Jim? How can it last forever? Uh, unless it's a participation rate. And it, uh, it, if you know, I think you can, it, it has to go up, Joe, because when we win the trade war, which, you know, we're going to win now because we have the better numbers, then they're going to have to put jobs here. That's what they're going to have to do. We're not even talking about that yet. In the end, the Chinese are going to have to put jobs here because this thing is uh, you, the president can walk away from the table with this number. You are so anti-normal, uh, knee-jerk thinking of the MSM. So we could actually have more jobs coming back if we win the trade war. No, you won't see that written or said anywhere. Well, you know, sometimes the truth sets people free. Yeah. These are, I'm not going to say it. You can't, you can't contradict that these are the best numbers of our lives. Yeah. You can't. I mean, we had guns and butter when we were doing these things 50 years ago. And that followed with inflation and recession. I don't see inflation. I don't see recession. 50 years ago, that number was a curse. Now it's a blessing. And you know something, Joe? It doesn't, I can't, it doesn't matter whether you hate them or like them. These are real numbers. They're real numbers. 
Wow. Can you imagine an NBC guy actually saying the truthful ones? That was uh, Jim Cramer. Uh, he's saying today that these job numbers are the best numbers of our lives. That's what he said. And he said, no matter what you think of the president, there's no denying we are living in the best labor market in more than a generation. Well, we already know that. We've never had a better employment situation in the country than we do now. Never. He said, you can't contradict that these are the best numbers of our lives. You can't. His words, not mine. As we now had a better than expected by the experts. Again, it's always better than expected. They all they're all like hoping it goes down. It's like Bill Maher wishing for a, you know, re, you know, a recession. Oh, great. Millionaire Bill Maher is not going to be hurt. But uh, the forgotten men and women, the Americans that make this country great every day and do most of the working and living and breathing and dying, as they say, and it's a wonderful life. Don't they deserve to have a, a nice, safe home and a nice, safe neighborhood, a decent car to drive uh, or a truck, if you prefer? Um, a good school district for their kids. All right, Josh, isn't the Fed cutting rates now just going to make the next economic downturn worse? What's your prediction? I've been hoping for a recession. People hate me for it, but yeah, it, it would get rid bad. of Trump, so you shouldn't hate me for it. I mean, recessions are really bad. People lose their jobs. And their I phones, know. And we, and we shouldn't wish. It's I worth know. it. It's worth it. What a jackass. I, I mean, on top of everything else. But I support his right to be a jackass. I do. We've defended his freedom of speech more times than I care to count. He, you know, and he goes on, you know, literally now unemployment, 3.5%. That's a 50 year low. Economists, oh, they expected the jobless rate to hold steady at 3.6. No, it's down. Another record. People don't want to say good things about the economy, Kramer says. And, uh, you know, then going on to say, don't tell the Armageddonists, the negativists, the hucksters, don't let them scare you away from owning stock. And then referring to the president, you know, it doesn't matter if you hate him or like him. These are real numbers. This is the best number I've seen in my life, he said. Zeroing in on the unemployment rate 50 years ago, that number was a curse. Now it's a blessing. I don't see inflation. I don't see recession. And he went on to say, why am I quoting? Because... You know, look, I, the president pointed out 128 stock market records. Now, most of you don't invest in the stock market, but you got to remember your pensions are in the stock market. 401ks are in the stock market. Ten trillion dollars in added value to the economy that impacts every single solitary one of us. And it's not just Kramer saying it either. You know, we even have a fake news CNN. Chris, uh, what's his name? Salisa? I forget how to say his name. Chalisa? Yeah. Latest economic numbers, 266, 266,000. Thank God. You know why? Because Americans are working. Our, you know, what does the president say in the close of his speech? We are one glorious nation under God. One, one American family. Well, for Americans, you know what? We want every American to succeed. Oh, I got mine. You know, you can go pound sand. I've never looked at life that way. This was bonus week for everybody that works for me in TV and radio. And I say to everybody when they get a check, money equals freedom. I give Linda, how many times you hear me say that this week? Money equals freedom. 87 times. At least. Why do I say that? 
So that gave out 87 checks. <laughs> no, I think more than that. It was it 80. You counted them, didn't you? I didn't. It probably was it around that. Like it was about 87, 88. <laughs> I can't believe you. I have no idea. I didn't, I didn't count them. It's about that though. I've That's got all a, I hear from like the, for the guy who's the security at the front desk at the Fox network here at, you know, at our network. I mean, everybody. No, but I want, you know why? Mr. Hannity's so generous. Mr. Hannity, he gives. No, Mr. I'm not. Hannity. That's not about me. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying it because I do know what it's like not to be able to pay my rent. I do know what it's like to only have 200 bucks in the bank. I do know what it's like when I have a busted arm and no job and uh, I have to go to work in a shipyard called Blount Marine. And when the foreman hires me, he doesn't know my arm's busted from the week before. He sees me three days into the job. He's like, what? And I, I need, I got to, I got to work. That's your Cinderella man moment. It was. This guy's name was Mac. That's all I know. Blount Marine. In Warren, Rhode Island. Then they called me, right? They contacted us. And they checked the, then they checked the records to see if a Sean Hannity ever worked there. They didn't yeah, believe he it. He called up and he goes, that's not the same Sean Hannity. It's the same Sean Hannity. How yeah, many Sean Hannity's one. are there? One no, is enough. but he couldn't believe it. He goes, that guy on the TV is the Sean Hannity that worked on my marina? I said, it appears well, so. Well, it was the father's. No. I think the, so Matt goes to me, ugh. He's he's apoplectic because I didn't tell him I had a busted arm. I said, Real, I promise I can do it. I can do the job. I'm, um, I all, I, I'm going to make it work. I promise. He's like, oh, like he wanted to punch me in the face. And then he kind of had pity on me. He really did. I got to pay my rent. I got to work. And I I begged the guy, basically. And he goes, he points to, and I don't want to get this guy in trouble. He points to the owner's house, which was on the shipyard property, Blount Marine. They used to make these dinner party ship boats, dinner party. I don't know. And I, well, I was like, you know, I was like, I worked in the painting department. That's all I know. And he goes, you see that house over there? He goes, okay, Mr. Blount lives there. Don't let him see you with your busted arm. You see that? The ship? There's a hole down in the bottom. It's called the hull. Stay there. You got two weeks and then get to work. He was, I'm like, okay. And actually I was better. Started working. You know, because I didn't, the, the doctor wanted to take out the radial head because my arm dislocated when I hit the ground from falling two and a half stories on frozen ground. And seriously, it was on frozen ground in Rhode Island in the winter. And it was a hailstorm started. We're putting on the, the tar paper. Um, we're trying to get it on to cover the plywood. And it's like the last nail of the day. And I'm, it's now getting slippery up there. And I literally, I got to get off this roof. I put the last nail, I, my feet, they slid out. I, I literally had a straight claw hammer. I threw it, tried to hit the dormer so I could hang on. Missed by like a quarter of an inch. And now I'm going down head first. And then I literally, and it's so real, by the way, when you have an accident like this. Now, in reality, I could have died. It's two and a half stories. God, thank you. I'm serious. I mean, I could have died. I'm, now I'm going down head first. But in my brain, it's like it takes an eternity before you hit the ground. It's not that fast. Uh, you know, 165 pounds, um, naked and wet. So and I hit the ground. And so from my elbow down, literally was separate and apart from the rest of my arm. Uh, uh, that's what I, I remember doing. Uh, freaking out. Uh, uh, I somehow took it and jammed it right back in. This is a true story. Now, my teeth were all busted. I didn't care about my teeth. I was like, because ah, I thought, I'm like, I'm going to lose my arm. I thought, that's it. My arm's done. And my sister, who happened to be a nurse, 
I race over to her emergency room. Like it's a doc in the box place. But the doctor was amazing. I didn't have any insurance. I think he let me do some painting and do little chores for him. But he said, look, I really should take out the radial head. I said, do you really need this out? I'm like, no, I'm not doing any. I'm not doing any operation thing. He goes, all right, we'll try it. And like I had, it wasn't a full cast. It was like a half cast. So that's how I was able to hide it when I went in for the interview with this guy, Mac. And that guy saved me at that point in my life. And, you know, the rest, I guess, is history. I didn't work there very long. I got another. Then I started to build my own business. But that's a story. I basically cheated poor Blount Marine out of like two weeks worth of work. I probably should send them a check to like their favorite charity. I feel guilty. Um, I think you just did with all that promotion. <laughs> yeah, well, that's probably true. But the guy was like, I just remember he's like a big burly guy, cool guy. And he's, like, oh, and he's a tough foreman guy. His job is to keep everybody in line. Let me tell you, we only got a half hour lunch. And one person had the job of going to this place where we got these little chili hot dogs. And everybody else, and, and literally somebody raced to the beverage store. We're all getting quarts of beer. This was every single solitary lunch. It wasn't a day. We, the, and everybody had a quart of beer in, a, in 20 minutes, four hot dogs, and you race back. Some people would smoke things. I never went near that stuff. But, and <laughs> that's, that's what they did every day. We did get a lot of overtime, I remember. I worked like Saturdays and Sundays, whatever I could. Uh, am I boring people? Anyway, so that so you get these job numbers today, and, and that's the point. You know, the president talks about record low unemployment for African Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, women in the workplace. One glorious, beautiful country under God. One united family. It's the way it's supposed to be. And then you have a group of people that, oh, this is bad news. Um. You know, it's a record low unemployment, 50 year record low. That's great for every American. And, you know, it's by the way, the Washington Examiner, we actually put it up on Hannity.com. They identified 289 accomplishments of the president in 20 months, including all these records. You know, we got two and a half million people already out of poverty, seven million new jobs, about seven million Americans off of food stamps back in the workplace. Like a, almost a million five new jobs for African-Americans one month after a record low unemployment. You know, it is uh, more Americans now employed than ever in our history. How cool is that for our country? You got the jobless claims at the lowest level in five decades. Well, that saves money. And by the way, you know what? I can't think of anything more miserable, honestly, in life than having nothing to do when you wake up in the morning. Can you just think about it? I know we all whine, bitch, complain about our jobs, but, you know, what would you do if you didn't have it after a week? You'd be bored out of your mind. It'd be crazy. Small business, everything. The jobs that weren't coming back, they're back, according to Obama. You know, you look at this. This is record-breaking stuff. Now, I know what's going to happen. We're going to have, in the next year, there's going to be one slow month. See, it's over. That's what they're going to say. But you stand back and you look at what's happened. It's stupendous. We have shattered records and expectations galore. Wage growth continues to grow. Unemployment historic lows. Job creations, you know, smashing expectations. Literally. And then, by the way, September and October jobs were revised upwards 41,000 jobs. 
They underestimated it. I mean, it's insane. And, you know, we have 713,000 construction jobs. That's 20,000 construction jobs a month. 54,000 manufacturing jobs added in November alone. Those are the jobs Obama said, hey, they're not coming back. You know, and then the president starts talking about light bulbs. I'm like, what? He's right. We're paying a fortune for light bulbs. Nobody, I throw my light bulb in the garbage can like everybody else. Oh, you're admitting to a crime in New York, Hannity. They're going to come arrest me. Like if I say illegal alien or immigrant, I'm going to get arrested. He talks about, yeah, all these environmental regulations. We're paying a fortune to make these lighter cars that are less safe because of environmental bureaucracy and burdensome bureaucracy. He said it'll be thousands of dollars cheaper if we stop this madness. Why don't we're now for the first time in 75 years a net exporter of oil and energy? We're the largest producing country in the world in terms of energy. Now we're a net exporter. Every single demographic is doing better. Why does the president have seven polls now that we've identified? These are not outliers at this point. The president's approval rating with the African-American community because he keeps smashing record lows. Biden and Obama put 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty. The lowest labor participation rate since the 70s. That's all flipped in three years. You want to know what's at stake this election? All of that. And okay, oh, criminal justice reform. How many liberals have said they'd get that done? Kanye West, Kim Kardashian, Alice Marie Johnson. And now anybody that has been any disparate sentencing that's taken place. That's your son over there. He had a job and worked for a gas company, but he had no experience with gas or nothing. You're selling access to the president just like he is. So you're a damn liar, man. That's not true. And no one has ever said that. No one has heard that. I see it on the TV. You see it on the TV. No, I know you do. And by the way, that's why I'm not sedentary. I don't. I get up and 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 no. Get out of here. Stick it up, you're a. Yeah. What's going on? What's I. What's I. 
Okay, so there's three things we got to do. We have to move immediately back to reestablish all those standards we had to begin with when we left office. They significantly add to them. And the way you do that is, for example, you are in the state of Ohio, which is the state of Iowa, like they're trying to do in the state of Ohio. They decide which and then we have another program that the court ruled that we were not able to, under our authority, do by executive order, but I'm going to try to push. And it was, there's a, there's a dreamers program. There's also a program that said, we're not going to separate families. We're going to allow families to stay together while they go through the process. And the court said, well, you can't, you don't have executive authority to do that on our own. And, that was, and we did that in 1976. And, uh, and, it was, and it was struck, I mean, excuse me, 2000. Backing up here. 2014 is when we did that. When was I vice president? Uh, 1976. Oh, let me let me hang on. Let me back up. I'll get the year right at some point. Oh, 2000 and I'm gonna get there. I promise. Uh, there it is. Uh, sleepy, creepy, crazy Uncle Joe 30330. Yeah, that's a really great way to endear yourself to people just by calling them a damn liar, fat. And, uh, oh, hey, man, you know, you know, you, you set up my, my son. I never set up my son. No, what you did is you protected your son. So it allowed him to continue his zero experience job of getting millions for doing nothing that we know of because he has no experience in anything. It's and the, and the most revealing thing you didn't see this on MSDNC. <laughs> He's admitting they're state-run TV, and they never dare tell people the truth. But they're all feigning outrage over Donald Trump with not one fact. Well, one fact witness, everyone else opinion witness, hearsay witness, one fact witness. Well, what would you like them to do to get the money? Nothing. No quid or pro or quo like Joe. Nothing. Hey, Jack. Hey, man. You yeah, man, you want to do a push-up contest, man? Come on. Come on, let's do a push-up <laughs> contest. Um, I, I, you can't even believe it. It's it's so it's so insane. We have that story. We have the congenital liar and compromised corrupt shift that we'll get to too. We welcome back to the program two friends of the program. Uh, Mark Simone is with us, uh, the host of the nine and noon slot on our New York affiliate. Hey, ten to noon. Don't overwork. Whatever. Me. You know, I should have known you only do two hours a day. Uh, <laughs> Mark, even that's tough. Even that's tough. Joe Concha, uh, host of WOR Tonight, follows this program in New York. Uh, Mar- three hours, by the way, Sean. All, All right. right. So All I right. challenge Simone not only to a push-up contest, but another hour of radio. Uh, good hey. luck with that. He's not going to do it. I know Simone. He's, he's richer than, uh, honestly, this guy. Has more money than anybody I know. Hey, Jack. Hey, Jack. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey man. Come on, man. You know. Uh, so he tweets out today, Simone does, Joe Biden attacked an audience member, called him fat, by the way, then they deny it, then called him too hey, fat, uh, then called him too old to vote. Nobody in the fake news industry covers it. And that was the big takeaway, Mark, for me. It's like, oh, he's admitting, no, MSDNC is not going to cover the real quid and pro and quo. 
I remember Donald Trump said to the guy, go back to Univision. Or he said, go back to mommy. That was breaking news for six days. You called somebody fat, somebody old. This doesn't get mentioned by anybody. Uh, I just right. want to be a little are you, careful. Are you calling me fat and old? Is that what you just oh, said no, to no, me? No, no, no. And I don't want to take on Joe Biden. This is the guy that stood yeah. up to Corn Pop and uh, bad, bad Leroy Brown and whoever else he fought. Oh, yeah. No, the, the no malarkey tour. Does anyone remember what malarkey <laughs> is, Joe uh, Conter? I asked my great-great-grandfather, and he said that back in the 30s that that was a pretty effective word. But that's not exactly woke for 2019. Oh, back in the 30s. You don't do a push-up contest I thought about. Don't you do arm wrestling? I mean, don't you guys do that? I mean, that's the way I settle things. Uh, Yeah, well, I'd kick your ass on that, too. But, uh, you know. Oh, my goodness. No, I'm kidding. I'm being Joe. I was joking. Why are you you still taking me seriously? Karate kid. No, I figure you would just, you know, chop me to death. I I, I thought that was your kind of way of getting rid of your people in your dojo. You have no idea how insulting it is to say karate. No, that's not what we do. What we do is a is an eclectic blend of the arts, and that would include Krav Maga, Kempo, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, boxing, uh, situational street fighting, firearms, blade, stick training. That's oh what we. Did. That's how we roll. Listen, Jack. That's how we roll, Jack. I hope you brought nunchucks with you, Mark, because this guy sounds pretty dangerous. <laughs> hey, Linda, would they be smart not to mess with me or not? I wouldn't mess with She's you. She's seen the videos of my training with my sensei, Glenn. All right, enough about me. Um, all right, so where does this go, Mark? What's going to happen? Well, for all the joking, he called this person fat, and he said, you're too old to vote. Now, that's an important demographic for voters, because senior citizens vote in enormous numbers. And don't think that didn't register with a lot of people. Despite who says anything or lets it go or Chuck Todd or those kind of people let it pass, senior citizens heard him insult this guy and say, yeah, you're too old to vote. You're old and you're sedentary. He's just attacked his base. Big time. Joe Concha. I, you know, I got to tell you something. One of the things people, if you look at Donald Trump, he tweets out, he hits, who does he hit? He hits the swamp creatures. He hits the do nothing Democrats. He hits weak Republicans. He hits, again, more swamp people. Uh, then he hits the mob and the media, fake news. He's not attacking we the people. He's fighting for we the people. He doesn't go to the Washington Correspondents' Dinner. No, he usually goes <laughs> amongst we the smelly Walmart shoppers, irredeemable deplorables. Yeah, look, Sean, the bottom line is that Joe Biden is the front runner for the Democratic nomination right now. He is way, way past the field in terms of because Elizabeth Warren's fallen back so much and Bernie Sanders always stays around the same amount. He only had a heart attack two months ago. So that's something that probably is. Now, why are you bringing that up? You're calling him old. That's so mean of you to point out that he had a health issue. I'm sure uh, you well, did you that. Heart attacks when you're young too. I mean that 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 happens as well. But I'm just saying that that's obviously. Well, you're giving me a heart attack. You know, you're scaring me with all this heart attack talk. No, oh, but sorry about that. But that's why Michael Bloomberg is, is stepped in because he saw that Joe Biden clearly doesn't have his faculties about him. He's just simply not a good candidate, right? I mean, every day we're playing some crazy thing that he says that you just say, how is that even coherent? So the Democratic Party has some serious problems for starters. The far left is very angry because there's only white rich guys basically left. <laughs> Right. I mean, it's it's crazy. Billionaires. Right. Steyer and Bloomberg. And then you have the Russian asset, Tulsi Gabbard, taking out Kamala Harris. So the left flank of the party is angry. And then obviously the candidates that are left clearly aren't very good candidates. So for Donald Trump, you're just going to sit back and watch this go all the way. I say save the tape to a brokered convention because no one seems to be able to to get a stranglehold on this nomination. There's no clear front runner because there really aren't many good candidates. They all have big flaws. What do you make Mark Simone on this whole issue and 
we've been reporting on it about the congenital compromise liar known as Adam Schiff, because Democrats on the House Intel Committee were claiming their impeachment inquiry report this week that Trump's personal lawyer, former New York City yeah. mayor, America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani, apparently had contact with a phone number for the White House budget office where military aid to Ukraine was temporarily being withheld. However, well, we're now finding out yeah, the wrong number. Yeah. Whoopsie day. And, then, and look at it this way. Are they really allowed to get the records and report the records of a journalist? No. And first of all, nobody has ever called the White House budget office. Nobody went. It's a bunch of boring accountants. The president wouldn't talk to the White House budget office. Uh, you've known Rudy Giuliani. I've known him for years. He is absolutely fanatical about the law. He's the former deputy attorney general, U.S. attorney, knows every law backwards and forwards. Whatever he's doing doesn't violate laws. The idea of why, why is a personal attorney over there doing Every president had that. Uh, Hillary and Bill Clinton had that. Sidney Blumenthal over there. You can go back to FDR. who had Harry Hopkins running around the world doing backdoor uh, stuff for him. So it's perfectly normal. Uh, and you're right. Schiff getting these phone records. You know, if you're a journalist, you've got anonymous sources. You've got uh, Joe Conti. You know, that's the most protected thing in the world. If they get your phone records, oh, yeah. they identify your anonymous sources. That's the first way to identify any whistleblower, get phone records. The fact that AT&T handed it right over, AT&T that owns CNN, by the way, uh, that's a major, major breakthrough. Oh, I think it's a huge break. Now, I'm getting mixed messages because I didn't even see it. That somebody said there might have been a Hannity call for 36 seconds. Was there? I didn't they see found it. out, yeah, they were, you uh, apparently look at your phone records, you called this pizza place, you called exactly. the Exactly, that's all I called, I, I, don't even, I don't even have access to any of my social media, and I haven't for like a, a year and a half. <laughs> and, uh, and the funny thing is, you know, I'm like, oh, I, I, it's five o'clock on a Friday. Oh, all of your text messages from 2017 with Paul Manafort just hit the wire. Do you have any comment? I'm like, <laughs> you think I remember what I said yesterday? <laughs> Joe Concha. <laughs> Yeah, thirty six seconds. That sounds. I mark you hit it on the on the head. I, that sounds like a pizza call. I mean, what else takes thirty six seconds? Honestly, so when I call Mario's, I give a lot of detail about how I want my cauliflower crust pizza. <laughs> well, there you go. That's good to hear. Yeah, look, I don't see any outrage over this as far as Adam Schiff and with John Solomon, for instance. You know, what are his First Amendment rights as far as being a reporter? Why are his calls being pulled? And we saw this with the Obama administration when they pulled thousands of phone records. Records from the Associated Press. They spied on James Rosen, called him a flight risk, spied on his parents. So I keep hearing how horrible President Trump is to the press, but all I know is he's more accessible to the press than any president in history in terms of just doing straight question and answer. He circumvents his press secretary. That's fine. Let's hear from the horse's mouth anyway. And then when you go back to horrible treatment of the press. you got to look at Obama and the way that he treated reporters. And now we're seeing the same thing with Adam Schiff. And as usual, we're not hearing how this is a threat to the fourth estate because it's a Democrat doing it. Well, you know, I got to tell you, Mark, uh, I think that's all a good point. But the idea that we're going to go after, for example, we're talk show hosts, all three of us. All right. So what we do straight news, right? How many hours can you produce of straight news, breaking story? We're giving you the facts. That's it. Then we do investigative reporting, you know, vetting Obama or the deep state, right? We do a, Then we do opinion. We're very upfront about it. Then we do sports some days. You do a lot of sports. I have, yeah. And, and then we do culture. But we're like the whole newspaper. We are the press. And the fact that they do this to John Solomon means that we're dead. I mean, people, if you don't like what a talk show is saying, what, we're going to now subpoena your phone records and go to these phone companies and steal it? 
Somebody's got to really bring this up and take this to court because this is a way to out every whistleblower ever. And Adam Schiff pretends to be the defender of whistleblowers when he has committed the most serious violation. The first step a whistleblower takes is to pick up the phone. If that's not going to work anymore, uh, that's the end of it. It's a non-whistleblower. Hearsay whistleblower. Uh, anyway, 800-941-SEAN. We'll get to your calls coming up. Quick break. We'll come back. We'll continue. Uh, news Roundup Information Overload. Joe Concha, Mark Simone, straight ahead. All right, as we continue, Joe Concha and uh, our good friend Mark Simone, uh, both fellow colleagues at our New York affiliate, WOR. All right, so is it a foregone conclusion they're going to impeach him in the House, it dies in the Senate, and then in 333 days he gets reelected? Yeah, listen, when uh, Ken Starr finished the report, front cover letter, here's the three charges. They're pretty obvious. In this case, there are 11. 11. In this case, they don't know what the charges are. Nothing sounds like an impeachable offense. So you bring in four Harvard uh, idiots with bow ties to tell you you're wrong. Well, I thought Jonathan Turley was smart. He is smart. He's fine. And uh, not- the other three, Ivory Tower, you know, I want to impeach Trump for saying fake news and yeah. attacking Barron. If, if there was anything impeachable, it'd be pretty obvious. You wouldn't need these experts for 12 hours to try to explain it to you. It was so bad, Joe Concha, that I think Pelosi said, well, this is killing us. Uh, well, let's impeach now, quick, before we ever call another non-witness. Exactly. And look, I, I agree with Mark. It goes to the Senate. He is acquitted. Maybe they peel off two Republican votes, really one. It'll be Mitt Romney and Pierre Delecto. That, that's it, right? And they only count as one. And then when it's all over, voters are going to say, OK, Democrats, you took back the House in 2018. What have you got done? USMCA, have you attacked the, or tackled the opioid crisis? Have you tackled the border crisis, prescription drug prices? What have you done for, you know, in terms of what are your ideas in the economy? This one's going so well. What would you do differently? Why would you change anything? They've done nothing. Down to that, you don't vote out an incumbent almost ever when you see the economic numbers. Numbers we saw today, John. All right. Predictions, both of you, of 10 seconds each. How does this go down, Joe Concha? It goes down with the president's numbers going up, and it probably sends them to re-election unless the Democrats can get their act together and put forth a candidate that do, actually appeals Do they to impeach, yes or no? Yes. Impeach, acquit, re-election. Uh, what do you think, Mark? Uh, definitely impeach. It could go to the Senate. It's possible the Senate will reject it and not even accept it to look at, just saying these are not I don't think. That, I think they've got to put on a trial. You know what? Because otherwise they're going to people will say, oh, see, the fix is in. They Those, put on a trial. The senators all have to be there, which means uh, Elizabeth Warren, yeah. Sanders come off the campaign trail. It's great. So it's got to be quick. Well, that leaves the whole thing to Biden and Bloomberg to have a uh, push-up contest. Well, over. and don't forget Deval Patrick, right? All right. Mark Simone and uh, Joe Concha, thank you. That's your son over there. He had to get out of the work for a gas company, but he had no experience with gas or nothing. You're selling access to the president just like he does. So you got a damn liar, man. That's not true. And no one has ever said that. No one has ever said that. I see it on the TV. You see it on the TV. No, I know you do. And by the way, that's why I'm not sedentary. I I get up and and, and no, let let, 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 let him go. Let him go. Look, the reason I'm running is because I've been around a long time and I know more than most people know. And I can get things done. That's why I'm running. And you want to check my shape on it? Let's do push ups together, man. Let's do, let's run. Let's do whatever you want to do. Let's take no one has said my son has done anything wrong, and I did not on any occasion. And no one has ever said it. Not I didn't one. say you were doing anything wrong. You I said, said I set up my son to work in an oil company. Isn't that what you said? I, Get your word straight, Jack. That's But I we, you're on the on MSNBC. You don't hear that in MSNBC. <laughs> but look, uh, look, here's the deal. Here's the deal. It looks like you don't have any more backbone than Trump does. Oh, my God. 
Too old, you're too fat. Uh, fat uh, no, no, I said fact. Uh, I heard fat. What did everyone else hear? But look, fat. Look, here's the deal. Look, fat. And then he's like, look, fat. Look, here's the deal. All right, all right, Jack. You want to do push-ups and everything? Well, I'm like, wow, this guy can't handle anything. Wow, unbelievable. So he calls the guy a damn liar, fat, and challenges him to a foot uh, a push-up contest, and he doesn't know he's in Iowa. He thinks he's in Ohio. Okay, so there's two things we gotta do. We have to move immediately back to reestablish all those standards we had to begin with when we left office. They significantly add to them. And the way you do that is, for example, you are in the state of Ohio, which is the state of Iowa, like they're trying to do in the state of Ohio. All in one meeting. Now, this poor voter, by the way, so apparently at at the TV show, we got it, we finally got a hold of the guy. And he's like, I hate him. I hate Fox. You lie. And I'm like, I still like the guy. But he got confronted after all of this. And to this guy's credit, he's a feisty 83-year-old guy. And, you know, a guy tries to do a hit and run on him, which I've had done on me many times. Excuse me. And I'm like, you know me. I'm like, "Uh, you don't get to do a hit and run. Never forget, I'm with my kids at a diner once. And two guys... You know, they tried the the F word hit and run. My daughter's like seven years old. I'm like, OK, I literally dove out of the chair. Excuse me. Uh, excuse me. And, uh, you know, th- people that hit and run are cowards. They want to take their cheap shot and then they want to run. Sort of like when we were in Britain, the guy tried to, you know, push me and he ran so fast. I'm like, oh, wait, wait, get back here. Wanted to see the guy. Uh, anyway, so this is the confrontation afterwards by a, a, I guess, a Biden supporter. Listen to this. Why don't you just get out of here? Stick it up, your All right, 800-941-SHAWN, you want to be a part of the program? I kind of like that guy. I think, you know what? Good for him. He stood up for himself. Oh, in media mob news that we have out there, I didn't know that uh, Area 51 Roswell Rachel Maddow apparently is being sued. And this is pretty interesting. It's I guess it's a $10 million lawsuit. Her lawyer over there at MSDNC, I guess, um, it was filed by One American News, the own network. And they basically their filing is they're admitting, oh, she never means what she says. Remember, there was so much press. I guess it was Alex Jones admitting that it's hyperbole or whatever. Anyway, um, it was an outrageous lie, Owen said, because, you know, they had their on-air politics reporter apparently had done, I guess, some freelance work for Sputnik News. She was never employed by Sputnik. She didn't do any work for Sputnik after going to work for own. And, you know, Roswell Rachel Maddow was saying, oh, that's paid Russia propaganda. I mean, that's kind of their problem over there. They just see Russia, Russia, Russia everywhere. And, you know, they peddled these lies for two and a half years. Anyway, so there's a they, they finally had to respond, I guess, through Area 51, Roswell, Rachel Maddow's attorney, M- MSDNC. You know, they're pretty much like admitting that she, I guess, is lying all the time. Maddow's lawyer, a guy by the name of Theodore J. Boutros Jr., arguing that the liberal host was, quote, cl- clearly opening up, 
offering up her own unique expression of her views to capture what she saw as the ridiculous nature of the undisputed facts. Quote, her comment, therefore, is a quintessential statement of rhetorical hyperbole incapable of being proved true or false. Oh, uh, okay. (laughs) So what? What is rhetorical hyperbole incapable of being proved true or false? I thought she was their big star. I mean, she says she's left a Mao and she's advanced all these conspiracy theories. And we've chronicled some of them here and she gets away with it. And then she gets to be one of the moderators during a Democratic debate as if she's, you know, an objective reporter, which she's not. And um, anyway, so Maddow's attorney now has literally gone into this corner where, hey, what Rachel Maddow says isn't. Factual, it's just hyperbole, her own unique expression, rhetorical hyperbole. That's pretty, um, that's a pretty amazing admission. And anyway, so in uh, response to Maddow's kind of defense here, if you want to call it that, own offered written analysis from a UC Santa Barbara linguist professor who argues that there's no possible way to interpret what Maddow said as anything other than an expression of fact, quote, Maddow did not use any typical opinion markers when she stated that own really literally is paid Russia propaganda, Russian propaganda. And they guy Siegel, I guess, who did all this, said Maddow is not the sort of person an audience would expect to misuse literally. She is a graduate of Stanford and Oxford University, a Rhodes Scholar. In fact, on the show, Maddow regularly uses literally in its primary meaning as she did in these examples. And, you know, meanwhile, today, the Trump administration tried to push through one of the most controversial judicial nominees of Trump's time in office. They literally nominated him to the job two days ago. So they go through the times that she says, literally, it's literally an emergency, a formally declared emergency. The U.S. military apparently diverting C-17 cargo ships to stop at President Trump's golf course in Scotland, literally to have U.S. airmen stay at his golf resort. They are literally defunding uh, the daycare center at Andrews Air Force Base. So the use of literally is consistent, which they point out and quote, her audience would not have understood her assertion that own really literally is paid Russian propaganda as metaphorical hyperbole. Um, That's a pretty big admission. But you know what? They ignore everything about Maddow in the mob. They like Maddow because Maddow is, you know, on the front lines of, you know, basically being state TV. And I'll say this. Literally, all they do is propagandize. There's more lies, distortions, propaganda, misinformation, fake news, conspiracy theories. Trump is a gateway drug to David Duke KKK. Trump wants to kill the press. I wonder if she said literally there. Venezuelans are rioting over donations to Trump inauguration. Trump firing Comey unprecedented and then cites Clinton. And the Trump inaugural funds go missing. Trump says immigrants are vicious, murdering, blah, blah, blah. Pence wanted to cure gay and not AIDS. I mean, and it goes on. Making fun of a protester missing a finger. Promoted the the Boston bomber conspiracies, not Muslim. Just another big lie. All right. Uh, let's say hi to Jason is in Maryland. Jason, how are you? Welcome to the program. What's going on? Sean, I'm doing 
I'm doing great. Thanks so much for the honor of talking to you. And I want to thank you and Linda and your entire staff for your service to your country. Thank you um, for giving. No, you give this to us and our job is to serve you. That's what we do. Well, I appreciate that, man. I, I really do. And my little bit of time in the Army was very humble, but the service that you provide to this nation is beyond reproach, and I appreciate it greatly. Remember one um, thing, though. We're all spokes in a wheel. And, amen. And I'll tell you, it matters. Your spoke matters in 333 days. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that very thank much, you. and I'm looking forward to it. I want to bring up something that I haven't heard anybody talk about yet, and that is the fact that Professor Carlin perjured herself in her opening statement to the Judiciary Committee. She said that Trump withheld aid to Ukraine until, quote, his political opponent was painted as a criminal, end quote. I know that didn't happen. You know that didn't happen. She knows that didn't happen. And as a law professor at a prestigious university, she knows that if she provides testimony to Congress that is false, she has perjured herself. And she's just another liar in the course of this that's trying to overthrow a duly elected president of the United States. Look, I'm just going to tell you something. There's nothing but unhinged, insane, radical madness. I mean, it goes back to Russia, 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 Russian interference. We care about Russian, but you ignore the dossier. They totally ignored the Russian dossier paid for by Hillary with Russian lies. You know, it's the same about obstruction. They're so wired and, and jacked up over. We got we've got him on obstruction, but they ignore the server and the subpoenaed emails and bleach bit and hammers and deletions. It's like we care about election interference. Yeah, Russia did do it. But we have a Politico article in January 2017 that says Ukraine did it and a Ukraine court determining they did it. They don't care about that either. They care about quid and pro and quo, but they ignore Joe. I mean, it's breathtaking hypocrisy. It's like, you know, I believe, but we don't believe the credible allegations against the lieutenant governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia. We ignore that part. Uh, You know, Linda hates the phrase I'm using bifurcated brains and compartmentalizing your brains to to basically live in a state of utter denial of what hypocrites you are. And that's that's who they are. This is Donald Trump lives in their brains. They can't get him out. Donald Trump is alive and well, and they they cannot get rid of him. And when he wins, they're going to feast off him for another four years and when he's not president, they're going to miss the hell out of him. How's that? Absolutely true. And, and the damage that they're doing to the office of the presidency is what really scares me. They're not going to bring Trump down. We understand that. But the next Democrat president that's elected is going to face this same thing. Republicans are going to go after him nonstop or her nonstop solely because they don't like them. And every president for the rest of history, until we have something that turns this around and, and gets us back on the right track, every president is going to face this. Uh-huh. When they should be able to deal with world issues and domestic issues and all of those things that the office but that's, of the presidency is actually for. We actually put up on my website, Hannity.com, the list of all the president's accomplishments. What are they? 280, two, two, 289, nearly 290. And the beauty of it is go to Hannity.com, read them. He's still governing. The one thing Democrats have not done is governed. And if you don't serve the people, we, the people, 
You don't have anything really at that point. You're just hating the president. That's not an that's not an agenda that's going to get you very far, in my view. All right, let's get back to our busy phones. Glad you're with us. 800-941-SHAWN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, as we say hi to Carol is in Florida. Carol, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Hello. Hello. I am so excited to talk to you. I'm a longtime listener and first time caller, so. This is fun. Well, thank you for being with us. Thank you for giving us this microphone every day, and I hope you're having a great day. I am. So here's my question. If we can try to impeach a president on hearsay and innuendos. And opinion and and conjecture, (laughs) right? Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. And then on the other hand, you have a gentleman who has already done it, there's audio and everything else on him. Why isn't he disqualified from even running for an office? Listen, uh, my attitude is let everybody run and then let we, the people, decide. You know, look, the Democrats are going to do this by all indications. Let him do it. And then the Senate is going to acquit him as they should. The rules of evidence, you rightly point out, there won't be hearsay evidence or opinion evidence or conjecture evidence or uh, my uncle's cousin's grandfather's stepson's third cousin's niece said that's not going to exist. The only fact witness, Gordon Sundland. What did he say? I want nothing, no quid, pro or quo like Joe. It's that simple. And, And then you get to decide in 333 days. That's the beauty. At the end of the day, we, you, the people. You get to shock the world again. Can you imagine? CNN can now project that Donald Trump has been reelected the 45th president of the United States of America. They will choke on those words, as will every other network. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue straight ahead. When did you realize uh, that the Epstein family needed help? Well, I was asked by the brother, the next of kin, to be at the autopsy. Mm -hmm. And at the autopsy on day one, there were findings that were unusual for suicidal hanging and more consistent with uh, ligature homicidal strangulation, which included. And it was suggested at the time that he committed suicide by doing what? By by hanging. uh, At the time, he was found allegedly hanging by uh, a uh, homemade ligature of sheets. Are you saying you don't think it was suicide? I think that the evidence points toward homicide rather than suicide. Why? Because there are multiple three fractures in the hyoid bone, the thyroid cartilage that are very unusual for suicide and more uh, uh, indicative of strangulation, homicidal strangulation. All right. That was our friend, uh, Dr. Michael Bodden. Uh, He was there hired by the Epstein family to observe the autopsy of of Jeffrey Epstein. Now, I'm not an an expert in forensics or pathology or autopsies. You know, I've watched I've watched all those shows. I'm fascinated by it. I mean, he was the former New York medical examiner for all these years. Uh, he's been involved in a lot of high-profile cases. I, I know Baden to be a very honorable, honest guy um, who's great at what he does. The only thing that gives me a little pause is that they say there was one camera that did work because the other two didn't, apparently. And then we have the records that, you know, these guys, I guess, Prison guards are supposed to check on these guys every half hour. Maybe I'm sympathetic because I know my mother, as a prison guard for 25 years, had to work 16 hour shifts every day. 
and you had no choice. You would lose your job if you didn't do 16 hour shifts. And this would go on for 60 days in a row before she get a day off. I mean, literally, you're, I'm sure you're standing and falling asleep. Um, but, uh, you know, so I'm not I feel bad for those guys because they got charged in this, caught up in this. I don't think they did anything wrong in this. There's no indication at all. But there are a lot of questions here that really are scary. Anyway, Dylan Howard is an investigative journalist, author, um, and he's written a, a brand new book and it's eye opening. It's called Epstein, Dead Men Tell No Tales, Spies, Lies, and Betrayal. Wow. And anyway, I'm I'm reading your book, and you've got a lot of details in here that make me ask a lot of questions. Well, Sean, I've been investigating this case for five years, long before Jeffrey Epstein either committed suicide or was murdered. So I'm stacked with document after document after document that is a meticulously researched uh, look at Jeffrey Epstein's life and how he was able to get away with the crimes that he did for so very long. In fact, I'm actually suing the FBI under freedom of information laws for them to release their full case file on Epstein so that this cover-up can no longer continue. Tell us the, give us the general premise of your investigative work, and you've been doing this for five years. Start with the basics. We hear Lolita Express, Orgy Island, as it's been dubbed by the New York tabloids. Is that true? Absolutely. Jeffrey Epstein had a, the largest he townhouse was, he in was Manhattan. A, he was a pedophile. He was a pedophile. Convicted. Convicted in Florida in 2005 and sentenced to a sweetheart deal. Sweetheart deal. How did he get away with that question? That is the first of the questions that ask, I asked Answer him. that question. Well, in typical, typical scenarios like this, the FBI, when they investigate, it's a federal crime, which means the FBI director at the time was none other than James Comey. Instead, the matter was deferred to local authorities, and he got a sweetheart deal, one year uh, with probation that allowed him to be able to exit jail and actually continue work with prison guards. So he'd leave, leave every day and, continue and go on to his office. With his, and he was home on weekends. Correct. Wow. The absolute most sweetheart of deals, which begs the question, why did federal authorities turn this over to the state authorities who gave him the sweetheart deal? Well, can you believe in the course of my investigation, I came up with a document that actually suggested, and Epstein rejected this, that he would get away with serving no jail time. So that asks you the question, why was he being protected? Why was he being given all of these benefits that someone who had abused more than 32 young women, why was he able to get these sweetheart deals? Well, I mean, I think that's a great point because and in that case, he he pled to this. That was a plea deal. He pled to this. Or, OK, and he pled to abusing minors. Correct. It was okay. under state law. Then, of course, in 2019, on return from Paris, where he had another residence, right. he was arrested at Teterborough Airport on federal crimes. His legal team had attempted to argue that double jeopardy would apply, but there is a difference between state and federal, so the feds then went after him. That, of course, led to the latest uh, controversy and ultimately his death. We watched the disaster that was Prince Andrew's press conference. Um Others obviously are caught up in this net. Bill Clinton, probably chief among them. 
Um, how accurate is the reporting that they were involved in all of this? Well, first of all, with Prince Andrew, let me tell you, he's lying through his teeth. Well, we caught him in seven lies already. So <laughs> he, he does sweat. He does touch women, even though he's a royal. So, so we actually spoke to somebody who worked at the New Mexico ranch who said that another young woman was specifically told to service Prince Andrew at the Santa Fe, New Mexico ranch. This woman had never spoken until this book. And she says that Prince Andrew had to be given uh, 24-7 concierge service, if you like, at the behest of Jeffrey Epstein. Now you've got an instance where he's trying to plead away his innocence by saying he had to come to New York to break up the bromance, if you like, with Jeffrey Epstein, which is just an inconceivable thought. So the depth of depravity with Prince Andrew goes far deeper. Is than that one why could he was reluctant to say pedophile? Oh, I didn't want to use a boorish term. I mean, it's like, really? Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. Now, with regards to the Clintons, the Clintons have tried to fend away their association with Jeffrey Epstein. But what everybody ought to know is that Ghislaine Maxwell, who was the woman who uh, was his ex-girlfriend and supposedly one of the individuals who who helped procure these young women for Jeffrey Epstein, attended attended Chelsea Clinton's wedding in 2009. This is the madam, uh, what's her name? She obviously denies that she was a madam, but has uh, certainly- uh, Accused madam, accused you're Accused madam. Right. Uh, but certainly her relationship to the Clintons was well known, and she was involved in the Clinton Foundation. One of the more interesting things, however, is the Lolita Express that you mentioned earlier. This was a plane that I've seen on board. This is a plane. How did you get on board that? I didn't get on board. I saw photos. Okay. Just checking. <laughs> I was just checking, Dylan. <laughs> uh, it looks Might more, have to put you on the cover of one of your tabloids. It looks more like an adult film set than it does a private jet. This is plush. Uh, lounges that not not the type of private jet service. You mean with real seats? You know, no, no, they had like cordoned off areas with, with beds. Correct. So it lived up to its status as the Low Leader Express. And in fact, in the book, we actually print some of the images from inside that. Uh, By the way, that, people need to see it because it's pretty shocking. Uh, it is shocking, but but nevertheless, let me tell you about the Low Leader Express. Bill Clinton has insisted that he only went on a handful of trips with Jeffrey Epstein. Well, that's an out-and-out out out lie. Do we know the number? Because it's ranged anywhere between three and 26. They've, what I can tell you is that Bill Clinton flew on Epstein's jet 13 times during an eight-day overseas outing. Mm-hmm. They were routinely joined by other controversial characters, including the Hollywood actor Kevin Spacey and many others, flying right around the world. Now, this is not to say... Uh, that in any way Bill Clinton did anything wrong. In all, I believe he did 27 trips on the Low Leader Express. Wow. But here is the premise of the new book, and the truth is often stranger than fiction. There is a shocking story behind Jeffrey Epstein and one that is backed up by interviews that I conducted with various individuals as part of this book, including a former Israeli spy. They say that Jeffrey Epstein was work for hire the international espionage organization. I heard the Mossad. I would. I, I don't believe that. Well, Robert Maxwell, Ghislaine Maxwell's father, was a media mogul who ran the Mirror newspaper group and was assassinated That's in off Great the Britain. back of his boat. 
Yes, mm-hmm. indeed. He also owned the New York Daily News, I believe, at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, according to Ari ben Mashali, who is a former Israeli spy, he was Robert Maxwell's handler. And in the late 1980s, uh, Jeffrey Epstein inherited the business. I've also seen photos. Well, let me just, because people have wondered, where did he get all this money? There's been some that questions about that. has been one that. of the fascinating questions. How does a guy amass a $600 million fortune without a job? He admitted to people that he was a bounty hunter, that he worked for Adnan Khashoggi, who was an international arms dealer, and many others collecting big bounty debts. When did he admit that? He, he, he would tell people in private circles that this is what he would do. I've seen photos inside. I've seen photos inside the, the New York townhouse. Mm-hmm. Not only is it littered with uh, these weird and odd photos of Bill Clinton in a blue dress wearing high heels. Let me tell you, the artwork is creepy. A disembodied and, and a mobile woman. Um, then you got the pictures of the bathroom. You got the, the I guess, the... It, it's just frightening. This guy was living... Island. A, a, you have a picture of what you call a massage chain three women and he's getting massaged as he sits there every room in that house had a camera i've looked at over 200 images of inside that home every room had a camera and was recording into a central another room that was like a security facility next to that was an office with multiple xerox machines so everything that was being recorded was being printed do Why would believe, someone do that? Do you that? believe that exists today? I believe it exists in the home if it hasn't been dismantled. Well, how could they not have gone through it by now? We know that we have images of the FBI all over Orgy Island. Absolutely. And that is the question. The FBI in Florida. Florida has what's called the Sunshine Law State. They release every piece of evidence. In the Jeffrey Epstein case... They haven't released any piece of evidence. They haven't released the cachet of documents or DVDs or anything like that that they established. And that's why I've been in a three-year legal battle with the FBI to release this information because if there was a cover-up, we want to know who's involved. All right, stay right there. Uh, We continue. Dylan Howard is with us, investigative journalist, uh, dead man tell no tales, Epstein, spies, lies, and blackmail. Uh, It's on Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere, Hannity.com if you want to link to it there. All right, as we continue, Dylan Howard in studio with us. Uh, He'll also join us on TV. We're going to show some of the Epstein photos exclusive that he has in his book. Uh, It's called Epstein, Dead Men Tell No Tales, Spies, Lies, and Blackmail. We've got his brand new book on Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. All right, we'll get into this more tonight on TV, but I want to ask you this. We heard from Michael Bodden. We, we know, look, it's kind of hard to hang yourself when you're not actually hanging. Now, I know that's possible. That is scientifically proven. But when Baden has suspicions, if, I trust him. He didn't say 100%. He said maybe 80%. Mm-hmm. He doesn't think he killed, he thinks he killed, he does not think he killed himself. Sorry. What do you think? Most victims' rights advocates in this case do not believe that he committed suicide, that it was murder. Now, there's no definitive proof. But there is suspicious circumstances and intrigue around this. Why were cameras not working? Why did they miss certain checks during the course of the night? Nothing adds well, they missed up. Missed a here. lot of checks. Two of the cameras, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, were out. What about the one camera supposedly that was dead on that would have shown somebody entering the cell? Well, this is the whole thing. We don't know. Yeah. The, the, the DOJ insists this was a simple case of suicide, but. We don't trust anybody anymore after all the Russia crap, do we? The hardest place to kill yourself 
is prison because the sheets are so small and the sheets are so light. How do you know so much about prison? (laughs) (laughs) I've interviewed far too many people behind prison. Yeah. Uh, behind prison walls. So it begs the question, did he have the means and motives to kill himself? Was he able to be given the chance to kill himself? That's clear. I think that part's been established. The question I want to know is, Does is there in existence a tape? The other thing I want to know is, he said all these bedrooms at, you know, Orgy Island were videotaped. I want to know if they found that information. Well, the government has not released any details of their uh, raid of Little St. John Island uh, in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Orgy Island, it's easier to say. (laughs) Or what they found inside the New York penthouse. Or Santa Fe. So we have two months for the FBI to respond to my freedom of information lawsuit. And what is critical to that is determining what took place. How did he get a sweetheart deal? And could this have been prevented? Because that's the great tragedy of all of this. Young women were abused. A sex trafficking ring was able to operate. Why, how, and who allowed that to happen? I share your passion. You know what? I'm kind of libertarian in people, adults' lives. Leave children alone. Absolutely. All right, Dylan Howard. Uh fascinating read epstein dead men tell no tales spies lies blackmail be interesting to see come back when your freedom of information uh, act request is acted on quick break we'll come back wide open telephones his book is on amazon.com hannity.com bookstores everywhere we'll get to your calls on this friday that's next on the sean hannity show all right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. All right, we had amazing audio this week, and we do this on Fridays. It's sort of like the best of audio of the week, and wow, what a week this has been. By the way, Monday, yes, the Horowitz FISA report. Here's the audio of the week. Okay, so there's two things we got to do. We have to move immediately back to reestablish all those standards we had to begin with when we left office. They significantly add to them. And the way you do that is, for example, you are in the state of Ohio, or the state of Iowa, what they're trying to do in the state of Ohio, is that we're And then we have another program that the court ruled that we were not able to, under our authority, do by executive order, but I'm going to try to push. And it was, there's a, there's a dreamers program. There's also a program that said, we're not going to separate families. We're going to allow families to stay together while they go through the process. And the court said, well, you can't, you don't have executive authority to do that on our own. And, it was, and we did that in 1976. And, uh, and, it, was, and it was struck, I mean, excuse me, 2000. But on the evidence presented so far, is it your view that there is no credible evidence that any crime was committed by President Trump? Yes, I've gone through all of the crimes mentioned. They do not meet any reasonable interpretation of those crimes, and I'm relying on express statements from the federal courts. I understand that the language and the statutes are often broad. That's not the controlling language. It's the language of the interpretation of federal courts. And I think that all of those decisions stand mightily in the way of these theories. And if you can't make out those crimes, then don't call it that crime. If it doesn't matter, then what's the point? Call it treason. Call it endangered species violations if none of this matters. 
But I do think the aha moment for the country was the uh, uh, the action taken by the the President Trump appointee, the uh, Inspector General of the Intelligence Community, who said that there was a, a credible. Uh, um, report from a whistleblower of grave concern, and that Congress should be aware of that. And and that is uh, the facts of the Ukraine situation have just changed everything. The polls went from 59 opposed to impeachment, 34 in favor, to it about even. Thank you. Do you hate the president, Madam Speaker? Because I don't, I don't hate anybody. Representative Collins, the reason I asked. We don't hate anybody, not anybody in the world. You're not, you're not right. accusing me. I did not accuse you. you, did, you did. I asked a question. <laughs> Representative Collins yesterday suggested that the Democrats are doing this simply because they don't like the guy. I have nothing to do with it. I think it's an important I point. I think the president is a coward when it comes to helping uh, our, our kids who are afraid of gun violence. I think he is cruel when he doesn't deal with the, the helping our dreamers, of which we're very proud. I think he's in denial about the about the uh, climate crisis. However, that's about the election. This is about the election. Take it up in the election. This is about the Constitution of the United States and the facts that lead to the president's violation of his oath of office. And as a Catholic, I resent your using the word hate in a sentence that addresses me. I don't hate anyone. I was raised in a way that is full, a heart full of and always prayed for the president. And I still pray for the president. I pray for the president all the time. So don't mess with me when it comes to words like that. We all sat and listened to Mr. Mueller state unequivocally that there was no evidence that the Trump campaign colluded with Russia. So that didn't work for the Democrats. So they then changed their talking points and moved to the obstruction of justice theory, that the president obstructed justice. And that fizzled. Then after coordinating with Chairman Schiff's staff, a whistleblower filed a complaint based completely on hearsay and overhearing other people that weren't on a phone call talk about a phone call between two world leaders, which led to the Intel Committee so-called impeachment inquiry, which violated all past historical precedent, denied the president basic due process rights and fundamental fairness by conducting the so-called inquiry in secret without the minority's ability to call witnesses and deny the president the ability to have his lawyers cross-examine witnesses. A right afforded to President Clinton and every defendant in our justice system, including rapists and murderers. The Republicans on this committee have repeatedly requested all evidence collected by the Intel Committee. As we sit here today, we still don't have the underlying evidence that we've been requesting. Again, a right afforded every criminal defendant in the United States. So instead, we sit here getting lectures from law professors about their opinions, their opinions, not facts. I guess the Democrats needed a constitutional law refresher course. The Republicans don't. Mr. Chairman, you have acknowledged, and I quote, the House's, quote, power of impeachment demands a rigorous level of due process. Due process means the right to confront witnesses against you, to call your own witnesses, and to have the assistance of counsel. Those are your words, Mr. Chairman, not mine. What are you afraid of? Let the minority call witnesses. Let the president call witnesses. Clinton alone called 14 witnesses to testify. Let the president's counsel cross-examine the whistleblower. Let the president's counsel cross-examine the intel staff who colluded with the whistleblower. In your own words, those are the rights that should be afforded to the president. 
writes, every criminal defendant is afforded. Even terrorists in Iraq were afforded more due process than you and the Democratic majority have afforded the president. I know, because I served in Iraq, and I prosecuted terrorists in Iraq, and we provided terrorists in Iraq more rights and due process in the Central Criminal Court of Iraq than you and Chairman Schiff have afforded the president of the United States. First, we had Mueller, and we had, uh, before we had, before I even got elected, this was going on. Now, the IG report, which is coming out, will be very, very interesting. Uh, We'll see what that's all about. And then, of course, as you know, the big one that's going to come out is the Durham report. And I don't I don't know Mr. Durham. I've never spoken to him, Uh, but he's one of the most respected law enforcement or U.S. attorneys anywhere in the country. He's a tough guy. He's had an incredible track record. He's actually sort of nonpartisan, I guess, from what I hear. But the big one that everyone's waiting for is that. And the IG report. So the IG report, they say, is coming out on Monday, Tuesday, maybe whatever. But they say Monday. Uh, I think it's going to be a very big thing and uh, we'll see what happens. But this should never happen to a president again. For me, it's okay, But this should never happen to a president again. What's happened here? All right. Before we get to your phone calls, uh, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. So. You know that we have now aligned ourselves with our good friends at Nine Line Apparel. Now, this is a veteran-owned, operated company. If you want to get your quid, no quid, or get hashtag quid pro quo Joe, those T-shirts are up there uh, on Hannity.com. They're amazing. And by the way, they got involved very early to help Eddie Gallagher. If you remember the Navy SEAL, one of three men pardoned recently by President Trump. After Thanksgiving. Anyway, so Eddie and Tyler and Tyler Merritt is the CEO and founder of Nine Line Apparel. They've teamed up and literally are here to tell us about Eddie's retirement from the military. The next phase of his career working with our friends, our partners at Nine Line. By the way, if you want to see the great gear, great Christmas gifts, just go to Hannity.com. And they have their brand new Salty Frog Gear line. And by the way, their charity work, which is amazing. Uh, Anyway, Eddie met Tyler uh, once on deployment, but it wasn't until Eddie's case became public that the two men were fully acquainted and become friends. And during the course of the case, Nine Line was there to help and speak up for him when, frankly, very few people would. I got to give a shout out to people like Bernie Carrick and Pete Hegseth and a bunch of others, too. Anyway, quote, they treated us like gold that he said it opened my eyes that the brotherhood goes on. And there was a big fight even after the president set Eddie free in this case. Oh, then they want to take his rank away. Then they want to take his retirement away. Uh, So we welcome back to the program, Eddie Gallagher and uh, the CEO, co-founder of Nine Line Apparel, Tyler Merritt. All right. So your case is now fully resolved. Did you get your full retirement with the proper rank? I did, Sean. Uh, Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so I uh, officially retired uh, the other day and uh, retired with all the benefits that I earned over the past 20 years, which was a huge blessing. I couldn't believe that there were people fighting to take that from you. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, yeah, it's like, you know, liberals don't just want Paul Manafort in jail for tax evasion and lying on a loan application. No, they want him dying in jail. They want a death sentence. It's like. Man, there's like zero compassion. Anyway, so Tyler, you met Eddie in the course of all of this, and now you guys have partnered together. Tell us about it. 
Yeah, this case kind of exemplifies why this president is the commander-in-chief our country needs. Uh, the, the fact that it came this far, the fact that we put Eddie through this, this hell uh, after serving our country for almost 20 years, putting him in prison for uh, almost nine months, and, and putting his family through the uncertainty of, yeah, he survives multiple combat deployments, but he might go to jail for the rest of his life. And without the president's intervention, that would have happened. Without the intervention of Pete Hegseth and other individuals that were very vocal, uh, Eddie, who is an absolute hero, uh, could have paid the, the, the ultimate price for just being caught in the crossfire between the left and the right. And the left has a very clear agenda. They want to villainize people like Eddie, and they want to promote uh, companies, say, like Nike, who, who pick their brand ambassadors uh, as people like Colin Kaepernick, a person I like to consider a man-child. You know, we like to pick our brand ambassadors uh, out of heroes. You know, we, we have Eddie Gallagher. We have uh, Mark Geis, one of the survivors from Benghazi. Those are the people that we like to work with. And I'm so excited for this next chapter in Eddie's life where he can literally drive across country and be reunited with his family, but then also start this new venture of ours. And, and SFG, this is going to be a really amazing product. We're going to be competing against Columbia's PFG for that coastal lifestyle brand with an edge. And uh, I couldn't think of a better brand ambassador than Eddie Gallagher. Well, I'm glad that it all worked out for both of you, seriously. And, you know, look, I, I guess this is probably the greatest Christmas you're going to have, Eddie Gallagher. It's sad that we send brave men to go fight wars. We start wars with all the best of intentions, all the all the confidence and rigor and commitment. And then these wars keep getting politicized. And I'll be honest, I, I've just gotten to the point where I, we cannot do this anymore. We can't put handcuffs on guys in battle and second guess them and say, well, you you can't shoot unless you've been fired at first. Uh, if you wait that long, you may be dead. And then they're going to try you if you do shoot first. So I'm I'm urging everybody that I can to get the next generation of weaponry, both offensive and defensive, so that we fight our wars from Tampa, Florida and push buttons the way the president pretty much beat back the caliphate in Syria. Uh, yep. without handcuffs, uh, because we can't do this to people like you anymore. We can't. Clint no, Lawrence think, and how many others? Exactly. And I think that's, you know, the message that the president sent by uh, getting involved. It was a pretty strong message saying he's going to stand shoulder to shoulder with our warfighters and not, you know, show the people that we're not disposable. We can't be treated this way. You know, we've been fighting a war for almost two decades now. And, uh, you know, you can't once politics and all the other bureaucracy gets involved in war. You, I mean, we see what happens. And I think the president is showing a a strong message saying that he has our warfighters backs. Well, I appreciate it. And Tyler, last point, if people want to get a hold of your apparel beyond my website, Hannity dot com, how can they do it? Yeah, obviously on your site, uh, but also at nine line apparel dot com. Uh, by the, the way, how's my quid pro quo Joe T-shirt selling? <laughs> it's selling like hotcakes. <laughs> the, the message is very clear, and I think it seems to be resonating very well uh, with all the You audience. can get that if you go to Hannity.com, hashtag quid, quid pro quo Joe. He apparently he hates it. We saw the meltdown yesterday. <laughs> yep, yep. And we've got uh, many more in the hopper that I'm sure he will also not like. But that's, uh, that's one of the great things about living in this country. We get to speak our mind without being stoned to death. So uh, I'm a big fan.
All right. Thank you, Tyler Merritt. Everything's linked to Hannity.com. Eddie, I would imagine this is going to be the best Christmas you've had in many years. And uh, thank you for your service to your country. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate it. And thank you for uh, advocating for me this whole time. And uh, yes, I will be joined. You can thank Ber- Bernie Kerrig is the one that I'm like, Bernie, I read this article. It doesn't look good. And he goes, you got to trust me. He's screaming at me. Screaming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he got in my Bernie face. Carrick. Oh, Bernie Kerrig is our new godfather. That's for uh, sure. Uh, that's awesome. Keep All right, guys. Watching. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern. We are loaded up. Yeah, the crazy liberal Joe, the impeachment disaster. Yeah, a preview of FISA coming out Monday. Reince Priebus, Jason Chavitz. He knows a lot about Horowitz's earlier referrals. We'll get into that tonight. News you won't get elsewhere. Matt Gates, Pam Bondi, and also Lindsey Graham in studio tonight. And much, much more all happening the news you won't get from the mob set your dvr we got great information tonight nine eastern hannity fox news we'll see you on pfizer report day monday we'll see you tonight at nine have a great weekend